Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, it's Scott Lips, and welcome back to yet another episode of Lip Service. It's been a great, great year so far with guests. We've had on Randy Gerber, Tommy Hilfiger, Greta Van Fleet, and today, the one and only Steel Panther. Truth is, I have a lot of history with these guys, so I'm super excited to get into it. Before they were the awesome metal band Steel Panther, back in the day, they might have, they just might have dabbled in a genre known as disco. And we go back years and years and years. These guys are one of the most premier party rock bands in the world. It's crazy how big they become. They kind of formed in 2000. And before that, we'll touch upon their history. So a lot to talk about. I love these guys. As I said, I've known them for many, many years and I have a history with them. So I'm excited. It's always an entertaining conversation. Always a great and funny conversation with these guys. They make me laugh like no one's business. And I believe they will for you too. The show is free. So make sure if you like the show, please subscribe to the show. If you can give it five stars on iTunes, that would be amazing. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your shows. So coming up in just a moment, we have Lexi Fox, Satchel, Michael Starr, and Styx, the members of Steel Panther on Lip Service. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Our show today is brought to you by the fine folks at Thursday's Boot Company. You guys have seen me rocking these boots in every other picture I have on Instagram. I'm always repping them. Thursday's Boots is a bootstrap startup that makes the best handcrafted boots and sells them direct to consumer at some of the lowest markups in the footwear industry. Thursday's Boots tagline is highest quality, honest prices because they use some of the best materials like full grain leather, supple glove leather lining, and gold standard Goodyear welt construction. Thursday's Boot Company sells their boots at prices starting at just $149 with free shipping and returns. They've been featured in all the best fashion press, from Esquire to GQ to Cosmo and Vogue. And more, more importantly, they've gotten over 20,000 five-star reviews from real customers. Thursday's boots are perfect for people who understand quality and don't want to pay a high retail markup for a great-looking pair of boots that are built to last. So check them out at Thursday's Boots on Instagram. My favorite shoes, my favorite boots. You always see me repping them. You'll love it. Hey, howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Hey guys, well, I'm excited to welcome the members of one of the most premier party rock bands in the world and my old friends, Steel Panther. What's going on, guys? Woo! What's up, dude? Let's Scott get Lips. the party started. Lexi, Satchel, Michael, Sticks, we're all here. This is going to be fun. So I've known you guys, truth be told, for like 20 years. And before you were this awesome metal band, there was a little bit of dabbling in other genres. Can we talk about how we dabbled in other genres? We can first, but I think, I don't mean to correct the host, but I think it's more than 20 years because if it was, it would be 2001. If it was 20, I think we're talking about 95 ish, 96 ish. I'm just trying to make myself seem younger. So if I say oh, 20 you're, years, you're eight. Like... You're eight. It's cool. <laughs> I oh, dabbled man. in uh, all kinds of music. I, I'm really into soft heavy metal jazz, which is kind of a new mixture that people didn't know about back then. But then I also, just to make ends meet at home at my mom's house, I started singing in disco bands with and that's i know for sure that these clowns are the same thing Especially <laughs> this stuff. but disco yeah. was like almost metal before it was metal because disco at one point was kind of cool right so now people talk about disco and it's like ah disco but disco was in fact the metal of that era i mean it was definitely a cool thing at some point well you know it's it's we basically i mean we've been around for a long time you know we we still panthers have been around for a long time and, and we were all i think we were all metal before before anything i mean i know i know for me like the first things i ever listened to as a kid were black sabbath and 
deep purple and things like that. But but yeah, there there was a there was a time during the '90s where um, you know you you'd get pelted by by eggs and shit if you had long hair walking down the street in Hollywood. It was it was really dark. It was a dark time. Like we didn't we all we all had you know we had to do other things for money and and uh, and play in other bands and and um, you know I know for me personally I never you know I never really completely like what they would call sold out. Cause I've always had, no matter what outfit I've had on to make money, I've always had spandex underneath. <laughs> right. my, he, my he's not lying, Scott. I've seen him. I've seen him get out of back in the day when we were, we were, cause we did all sorts of look, we hustled for money. And part of that hustle, like everyone did part of that hustle. You know, you took a gig when you could get a gig and you know, there was, there was disco to be played. And I remember doing several shows with Satchel. Uh, I know you do too, because I know that you've played with him too. Um, but he would take off his bell bottoms and there would be zebra spandex underneath. <laughs> and it, it was like, it made me go, you know what? That's my brother. And it made me, it made me feel, you know, at home. Dude, I remember, I remember watching you guys do a show and I remember Satchel came out for one show and it was like the spandex jumpsuit with his name on the side of it. And that, dude, that's a classic outfit. I think- I should, should bring it back. We should bring, I'm telling you, dude. I'm gonna have to do so it for the, next, for the next record. You know, like we'll do yeah. a new photo shoot and I'll just get like a one piece, like, yes. you know, just one piece all- Like a wrestling like, outfit. All white. <laughs> it's gotta be all yeah. white. <laughs> all white, like the band Angel. That would've been yes. great. Hey, if you go all white, right, in your outfit, doesn't that mean it's the end of your career? Mm. That's that is like that is the old saying, right? Because uh, well, that's the saying going around heavy metal communities. Okay, what happened with Twisted Sister? What yeah. happened with Twisted Sister? And uh, well, they they did a song, a cover song called um, "Leader of the Leader Pack." Leader of the Pack. And they dressed up all in white, and they were killing it with "We're not gonna take it." They were all white. <laughs> the guys are white they can't help that but they've added yeah. to their whiteness with a white outfit and it's kind of like the same concept with even with other types of music like elvis for example he started wearing white and then he died and he's singing well, and you know he died, right. was it the white outfits for elvis or was it the heavy okay. it could have been the drugs yeah, it could have been the drugs and the, and the, the white the, drugs, the fried, fried corn dogs <laughs> oh, hey, by the way you brought up twisted sister uh, and Scott and I were having, Scott and I had lunch, guys. Believe uh, it or not. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, what's going on with you guys? We, we we had lunch. And you know what? It was a great breakfast burrito. I had never been to this place. It was fantastic. There were things in it I'm not sure that I've ever even heard of, but it was tasty. And I will tell you this. We were talking about some crazy little stories, and I uh, was reminded of the time that D. Snyder, I, I know you guys will remember this, D. Snyder was at the Key Club, backstage it was one of our residency shows and he's sitting down and scott he's i don't know if you've met him face to face he's I, he's actually coming on the show next week i believe so i'll bring this story up please do please do because <laughs> it's a good one so he's a tall big dude like he's just big and he's sitting down and he's still i'm eye to eye with him i'm standing up and and we're talking about the time that uh we were in new jersey and eddie ojeda his guitar player was there and we were you know, the guys were on stage, we were talking, saying, you know, talking about girls' boobies and, you know, being Steel Panther. And Eddie Ojeda came up to us after the show and he's like, hey, guys, we don't say boobies here in New Jersey, right? And I mean, I, Satchel, I, I think he said it directly to you, right? Yeah, I mean, he, he was, he was uh, actually, was, I think that might have actually been during the show. Huh. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was during the show. He it was. was. He, he actually, because we were on stage and we were talking about boobies, because there were some girls with boobies there. And, um, you know, he just he just came up to the stage. Because, you know, I think this was like right down the street from where he lived. Like, this is a local bar. It was like a small place. Maybe it held like 300 people. He came up to the stage and he went, and he was like, hey, you guys, I'm just letting you fucking know. This is, uh, we don't say boobies we say tits <laughs> so, we, so we, we didn't ever we didn't start saying boobies on or our tits on stage we kept saying boobies i think it was annoying to him i think he was like he got so mad so I'm definitely we, bring that up to him we told that story to to d and i added 
it was amazing because Eddie Ojeda had a twisted sister necklace. <laughs> and I was laughing and I go, God, who would wear their own merch, right? Out on a night off. T. Snyder got up, stood up, and I had looked up because he's giant and he turned right around to leave the room and he's got a giant twisted sister jacket on. <laughs> and I was just like, <laughs> Yep, that's oh, when you got. Hey, you got schooled in heavy metal, right there. <laughs> that's heavy metal. I got, I got, I got a twisted sister education, dude. I'm down. Hey, you know, hey Scott, you and Sticks could never have done a disco show together, right? No, never. It would be unless you have two drummers, right? Exactly. Two well, drummers. we could have done the 38 special thing, I guess, or something. And like. we, we never. Did we do a disco show together, you and I? We did. We did. We did a few. Yeah, yeah. that's right. We did do a few back in the day. Hundred percent. What did I do with you, Scott? Did I? What? I don't believe so. No, I don't believe we ever did. But but this is like one of those reunions, you know, during like the COVID lockdown, you had like the Saved by the Bell reunion. This is like, that's what it feels like to me now, which yeah. is great. I, I love it. But taking me back to the day, like when we, you guys first got together, it's funny. I think in 2013, I was telling Sticks, I brought my then girlfriend, the first date I ever went on with her, I brought her to a show that you guys did at Irving Plaza. And imagine she doesn't even like rock and roll. So, you know, we dated for like almost seven years. So that was a good precursor. I was like, this is what your life will be like. So we stayed together, which was the longest relationship I ever had. But taking me back to the beginning with you guys, I mean, how did you guys meet? Do you have like odd like rock and roll jobs before you got together? Were you in other metal bands before Steel Panther? Every, yeah. I think all of us were in several bands before. And you know, during. You know, we, we did, I mean, there was, there, there were tributes to Van Halen. There were original bands. There were cover bands. Like we have all been playing music since we were embryos, essentially. And, you know, through a whole series of circumstances, we all met each other and realized that there was, there was a vibe. Yeah. Some of the most like metal jobs you guys had. I'm sure there was some very metal jobs you had. I mean, you had to be like working in a restaurant or gas. I worked station. at a funeral home. That's pretty metal. Yeah, that is no. very metal. Actually, that's very funny. I delivered every. I delivered everything you can possibly deliver. I delivered flowers, pizza, sleeper sofas, ribs. I, I I delivered whatever you can deliver. I did moving. I actually worked for Kiss in that's their amazing. warehouse uh when when times were a little bit tough so uh what what did you guys do i know what i did what i'm gonna date myself so far because i'm the oldest guy in the band right i'm 78 right but i used <laughs> you to look great for 78 by the way thanks dude joan rivers is, was my aunt anyways i i had a uh paper route now, a lot of kids that are watching this probably don't know what a paper route is but it, there's these things they're called newspapers right and you fold them out and they have a bunch of writing on them and pictures. They're really cool. People liked them a lot back then. And so I would, I used, I grew up in Chicago and that was my first job is like, I got a hundred papers. I would stuff them the right way, put them on my sled and pull them and deliver them. You know, and I had a route and I got collected all my dough from these people. And it really taught me a really good lesson. You know, like when I started, when I got older, I started selling drugs. I really learned how to collect properly, you know, right. and not like get people upset because collecting can be very uncomfortable, even for people that are getting newspapers. No question. People, yeah. So that was one of my first jobs. And Satchel, I'm sure you had a very rock and roll job before this. Uh, you know, I had when I first moved to Hollywood when I was a kid, I <clears throat> I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew I needed to make some money because I didn't really have any food. And um and I got a, um, a job at this thing called NRG. It was, it was called National Research Group. And it was just a bunch of basically low-skilled labor musicians, basically. And we all went into this room and there was a bunch of phones and they said, all right, here's what you do. You make cold calls to people. And they were hired by a lot of movie companies and things like that. So you just call people and you would ask them questions. It was basically take surveys. And I'm not good at making cold, cold calls to people <laughs> and trying to get answers. Because I'd be like, hi, is this Mr. Rodriguez? And they'd be like, um, who's this? I'd be like, well, it's a click. <laughs> I'd be like, I, I mean, there's some dudes that could get, keep people on the phone. And I was like, I think I made like maybe $3 the first day. And I was like, this is going to be rough for me. So I'm going to have to 
learn how to make a living playing music or I'm just going to be broke my whole life. So there was uh, nothing more metal than telemarketing, right? Yeah. Oh my God. And there were so many dudes there that were like, you know, they were raking in cash and I was like, this is impossible. <laughs> like building up the pyramids or something. I don't know how people That's do how that. they get you in. They're like, you can make up to $4,000 a month. <laughs> Ow. 4,000 a month. <laughs> Woo! But I got to tell you, the crazy thing is, you know, as you, as you, as a musician, as a teenager, you jam with a bunch of friends and you get a little bit older and you see your friends peel off, right? It, that are, cause they're gonna go get real jobs. And I remember seeing all my friends peel off, I'm still in bands. And I'm like, I'm looking at them like, you great, like, how are you not doing this? And, and they're doing the same thing to me. They're like, how are you not going to try to do life? I'm like, this is life. And to me, and I know to my, you know, for my other guys, it, it was never an option. It was never an option for us to go, mm, let's go with a fallback plan just in case it doesn't work out. I had decided, I committed, I was like, I'm going to rock and I'm going to live or die by the rock. And, you know, for, I think for all of us, there was no safety net. We just went for it. Well, talking about the 80s, have you guys checked out this book, Nothing But a Good Time, that just came out? What is it, a Brett Michaels book or something? It's actually a book about the whole scene in the 80s. So, I mean, that time was such a debaucherous time. Do you think there'll ever be a time like that again in music? Well, you know, it's oh. funny when you say that. Like, I, I, right now, we could look back 10 years from now and look back to this day and realize, remember, that was back in the day when we were on Scott's podcast. That was, <laughs> yeah. it was crazy, man. <laughs> uh, there's times at the Key Club where we did 10 years ago. It was insane. It was going off like a heavy metal show. And it was like that on the strip for us for a long time, as you know. Yeah. And it was it was fun as hell. And it was a huge party all the time. And other clubs started opening up and the strip livened up a bit. So I, I think that, you know, our job, you know, has always been to bring heavy metal back. That's one thing that we've always wanted to do. And I and, we've done it. And I think so, too. Our shows are the closest to bringing that whole strip in one place. We bring Definitely. a whole thing of the 80s and an hour and a half of heavy metal. And that's probably the closest that anybody's going to come to it again. Well, I think it was what 13 years you played on the strip and did that show. Yeah. Metal school. Yeah. Now, right. So yeah, and you metal, had amazing metal, stop, metal school. Then, yeah. Uh, Danger Kitty. Uh, and then Steel Panther. And you had so many great guests come up. And I was just actually checking out some of the YouTubes last night. And, you know, everyone, you had so many great guests. I mean, talk about some of the best stories, I guess. Right. The Jessica Simpson story was amazing. <laughs> Kelly Clarkson story was amazing. Talk about some of your favorite moments and uh, what went on. And by the way, I'm not even mentioning people like Steven Tyler, Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Scott Whelan, like Canada Reeves. I mean, everyone came to the shows. So what are some of your fondest moments of, of the Sunset Strip in those shows? Uh, me, me personally, one of the, the two biggest opposites that I, I can recall, uh, we had... Jessica Simpson on stage with us and she challenged Michael to a sing-off. This is when she was with Tony Romo and she tried to compete note for note. And it was like, it was like hearing a cat just yeah, get saw that. murdered. So you had, you had that, but then you had, we had Pink on stage with us too. And when she sang, it was like, you, you realized without question that she's successful in this business for the reason that she, she's, just gifted and talented and she sang and and it was it you know that difference is amazing skid row and she killed it yeah she killed it oh god yeah so to, to see people come up and, and it, they would come up you know we would never know if they were coming to have that experience to jam with them and you got to really see what they were made of because there was no smoke and mirrors it was they, they were exposed it was awesome i remember and, yeah, one kelly time. clarson came out with some dude who was that dude he couldn't sing at all was, oh, was, was he a really singer, the singer yellow card yellow card he yellow was he couldn't sing so you know we we did a show we used to do a show every friday and saturday in las vegas right so we're doing a show there and i don't know if i'm going to tell the story correct but you guys will probably remember more than me but uh i um God, Vinny was there from uh, Hell Yeah. Yep. Hammered out of his mind. And the singer from Nickelback, Chad. Yes, Chad. Right? So Chad played drums and Vinny Paul sang with his pants down. Oh, he sang, he sang, he sang, uh, Cowboy something, from, no, something in te Blind in Texas. 
<laughs> the Texas by Wasp. Classic. It took his pants down, and I think it's on video. He's singing in his boxers, and Chad Kroger's like playing drums. It, I, you can't, you can't make this stuff up, nor can you plan it. Because if you try to plan it, you, you just go, "Why would we do that?" And then, but when it happens organically, it's the best. Also, getting Vince Neil on stage. We that was fun. Been on, he's been on our stage several times. So this one time we got in Vegas, he actually was watching the show. He had like this booth filled with hot blonde young chicks, which is pretty metal, <laughs> you know. And we call him on stage. He brings the chicks with him. So he's got two hot chicks next to him, and I'm singing with it. It was the best. I love Vince. Did Roth ever come sing with you guys? No, I invited him, but he said no. Yeah, he's. A, Remember he's a one chef. time the Scorpions were at uh, the Key Club, and, oh, yeah. and uh, Rudy. It was uh, Rudolph Schenker and Klaus Mine were there, and they get and they got up on stage, and I think they did Rocky Like a Hurricane with us. And yes. but but I had another an extra guitar, and here's the thing: I'm not. I've never been a really big gear guy, so I don't have expensive guitars. And back then, I think my guitars were probably two or three hundred dollars a piece. Just beater, old Ibanez things, like just beaters, right? And um, my backup guitar, I gave it to Rudolph, and we were, we were both playing "Rocky Like a Hurricane." And his his guitar, my guitar that I gave him, went so completely out of tune. And 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 I'm looking at him, and he's like, he's looking down at the guitar, like, like, what the fuck is this piece of crap? And he he was he took it, and he was like, he was going to break it. And I was I was like, yes, yes, please break it. And then he looked at me, and he was like, I can't break this guy's guitar. And I wanted him to break it so bad because it would have been so rad, but. He just did didn't. he make you did he make you switch guitars with him? No, he made it through the, the, the whole song, but I, I think he was just he mad was mad. Yeah, he was used to like really nice guitars. Klaus, remember Joe Klaus. Walsh? Remember we had Joe Walsh on? Uh, oh, yeah. up that was great. Joe Walsh got on Man. stage and, and he started tuning up his guitar. And I remember Satchel went up to him and goes, Hey Joe, I have a tuner if you if you want it. He looks well, I, I was looking at him, he was, I was standing right next to him and we're I don't know why, but I think we did his song first. We just opened up the show and he was there and we did Rocky Mountain Way. And so before we get we go on, you know, he's old school, even more old school than me, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I have like a tuner there and I'm tuning my guitar. And, you know, he's playing a slide because he's Joe Walsh, right? And I'm like, just to throw it out there, I was like, hey, Joe. And I knew what his answer was going to be. I was like, Joe, this is a tuner. If you want to tune your guitar, and he goes, I use my ear, man. <laughs> He's like, I tune it up. I'm like, I, I knew he wasn't going to use a tuner. I don't even know why I asked him. I actually felt foolish afterwards. Why did I ask Joe Walsh if he wanted a tuner? He was a tuner. Dude, I'm asking Vince Neil if he wants a piece of pizza. <laughs> I messed up Rocky Mountain Way that night because we we're jamming it and like, he hold like we're jamming. We're in the middle that middle session. Wow, wow, that's part. And we're just going, and I'm thinking to myself, dude, when does this end? And he holds up his his finger like that, like he. he and I thought he was doing like a I'm number one, you know. I'm like, and we're still jamming, and he's saying, "Go back to the one, go back to the top." Who would know that? Joe Walsh. Yeah. Joe Walsh. Tell me that. <laughs> And so I'm thinking, I'm thinking Joe is number one and I, I keep playing and, and he's back in the top and he looks back at me, dude. He gives me one of these. And I was like, oh my God, I'm jammed with Joe Walsh. And I totally, I, I blew it. But you know, that's, that's what he's not communicating. That's what we should have gone into. You know, Scott, I don't know if you've ever heard about this, but occasionally we'll be on stage and we'll talk about, um, how the greatest, one of the greatest ideas that we ever came up with was the idea that we still have not fully implemented, but we thought, wouldn't it be great to put together a, a tribute band? Because there's a lot of tribute bands out there yeah. now. A tribute band to the Eagles, and everybody puts on a, a bald cap. We all just go completely <laughs> bald. We call the band the Bald Eagles. Could be great. Book, yeah. book shows all over the world you know we're not for steel panther right you, know, you can wanna, open up yourself try what we what we do do you want to try this on the zoom right now sure all right and it probably won't work but i can do it i'll, I'll start it out you ready you got an acoustic 
I do, but I don't know. a guitar over there. Wait, Satchel's going to Scott. Satchel's got like 55 guitars behind him. This has Come never on. been done on a Zoom. So this is what we do at Soundcheck. But, uh, <clears throat> but we practiced it enough that I know we're going to nail it. I don't know, it was a delay or something, but it was still great. It must have been the delay because it's so hard to see. Yeah, we we practice it all the time. Do you guys remember the first gig you ever did? I think it was at the Viper Room, right? It was like 1 a.m. and you got paid like 100 bucks. Yes. 125 base pay. Yeah, but you know, we started off at 100, 100 bucks a guy, but we eventually went up to over $150 a guy. So we blew up. Every week. Every week. It shows that if you, if you work hard, you can achieve your dreams. You can. <laughs> That's funny. So you did that, and then 13 years you had this long-standing show on the Sunset Strip. The longest, longest-running show in the history of Hollywood. I, I remember that. That's why we deserve sure. a star, Scott. Well, it, was, you, it wasn't longer than uh, it wasn't longer than um, uh, uh, Jeopardy. That's true. <laughs> and there's also a great like George Lynch story, right? I, I heard that Satchel like he even wanted to take guitar lessons from you. Oh well, you know what? I've had a strange relate. We've all had a very strange relationship with George Lynch because we we are all huge fans of George. We love him, but he's he's kind of a strange dude, like. The first, okay, the first time I ever met him, he, um, it was at a J- Jason Becker, um, uh, it was a fundraiser, because Jason Becker, we just found out he had ALS back in the ni- 90s, early 90s, and George Lynch is talking to me, and I'm talking to him, and I was in a band with Jeff Pilson at the time, and um, so, you know, we had that in common, and so we're talking for a minute, and and he's like, yeah, you know, but blah, 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 blah. And I go, oh, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. And I go, oh, and blah, 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 blah. And he just starts walking away. I'm like, I was just telling you something. And he just walked walked away in the middle of my sentence. That's what George does. what he does. This just sparked the other George Lynch story, or one of the other ones. The one on the plane? We on a plane to Japan. This is a great one. And... And uh, I was sitting on an aisle in the middle, within in the center section of this. I was on an aisle. Uh, Michael Starr was about two rows behind me on the, the aisle across. And in the center seat was George Lynch. And, uh, and so the, we're, we're, we're flying to Japan. It's a long flight. Uh, Michael eventually had to use the restroom because he does that because his bladder's like this big. And he gets up and George Lynch comes up to me hey i don't think he knew my name he just he's like hey i don't like i turn around i go what's up george lynch and he goes you think he'd sell me his seat i go what he goes you think you think uh you think he'll he'll, uh, your singer would sell me a seat and i go no no (laughs) he goes not even for lynch bucks and i go what i go what are lynch bucks and he goes totally redeemable for anything on my website should i offer it and i'm like no don't he's not gonna do it it was so awkward he was dead serious though i'm like he offered it to me did he offer it yeah i sat down next to him i came from the bathroom and i by the way i was trying to say i had myself muted i was so stoked to be sitting next to george lynch you know i'm a huge docking fan as we all are and uh it was exciting you know and but i once i found out he was crazy it got even more exciting. So I sat back down and he's like, Hey, and it's really awkward. Cause I, I really want my aisle seat, but I really love George Lynch. So I'm, I'm really stuck. I'm like, I don't know what to do. And he, and then he offered me money, which would have been cool, but it was Lynch bucks. And I didn't really like any anything on the website. <laughs> Lynch bucks. I didn't know what to say. I was like, that's cool, dude. So how did you write, uh, you know, Paris is Burning? I just didn't know what to say except to distract him. It worked. I gave what him if, all my drinks. What if Lynch Bucks, though, would have taken off like Bitcoin? You would have been really bombed. No, dude. You'd be so rich. You'd be Lynch rich. 
I would be yeah. lunch rich. Think about it. $62,000 for one lunch buck. Amazing. Oh. <laughs> Amazing. Speaking of metal and speaking about Europe, why do you think that metal is actually so much bigger in Europe? I mean, the festivals, you guys are huge over there. Why is that? Do they just get it more than we get it, it here? I think that it's cultural, man. I think it, I think the, there's the whole festival culture there, like parents take their kids to festivals and it's kind of ingrained in their in their families like they it's generational for them and i think over here there's 50 million distractions uh and it's just i don't know i think it's passed down honestly from from grandparent to parent to kid and so on Uh, i think part of it is that and i think part of it is that they've also got they still have uh media over there that supports rock like right they, that's they true have, yeah yeah and the, the magazines and yeah they, they it's publicized a lot yeah yeah absolutely definitely still, they nope. still have metal metal magazines like hit parader well they don't have that but Kerrang and, and they promote it you know big time over there so that helps us out yeah any great memories of like the download festival or any of those great festivals that you guys are doing i, I know that when you're walking around there all the bands want to take pictures with you and it's got to be pretty gratifying so talk to me about some of the festivals and what you miss about doing it most. Well, I got, can I tell the story, Sticks? Yeah, go for it. The first time we played the Download Festival, we were, it was our first time in uh, London, I believe. Yeah, right? it was. First show. First time we've ever been over there. And we don't know what to expect at all. We're just, you know, told by our, our label, you need to go over there and play there right away when your first record comes out, because it's really important. To establish that and so we get to the, the download festival which is a huge huge festival massive and uh we, we hop we're in our dressing room which is like this little cramp thing and then we get in this golf cart because we're getting ready to go on and they drive us you know a couple miles away it felt like to this little tent and we pull up and the tent is completely full like with about 2500 people and then outside of it's another like 2,000 people, maybe? Probably, yeah. It was, it was rammed. Like, Steel Panther signs and, like, our, singing our songs and shit. It was the most surreal feeling. And then our buddy Bam Majera was there. Yeah. He introduced us before we went on. And while he was introducing us, Sticks and I were like, I mean. I was tripping. We were tripping hard. Like, holy <laughs> shit, we're going to go out and do this. It was, it Dude, was cool. you know, at, at that festival, I remember walking around backstage and it was our first time, like I said, it was our first time over there. And people in other bands were looking at us like, what, what is, what are we seeing? And, and it was, it was confusing at first. And, and, you know, people at the festival, the festival goers, uh, they could see us and some, some knew who we were and most didn't at that time. And I remember feeling uh, a sense of like uh, a fish out of water, right? I guess and I was like, oh man, this is really weird. I feel like there's a lot of heads looking at us in a weird way, which is fine because that's how we roll. But you fast forward to today when we are playing main stages on, you know, all over the world. And now when we walk backstage, it's this like, I, it's, it's a, it's like a, a uniform that represents our band and represents heavy metal and what we love. And people, bands, people in bands want to come take pictures crew guys want to come take pictures with us yeah fans and just i think because it's been embraced by the metal community and and you know and even outside metal it's like people look at what we do and and i think it brings them joy and it's 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 like an honor to wear the spandex now instead of feel like (laughs) oh man you're looking at me i know you're looking at me and wondering what the hell i'm doing here those spandex feel good, by the way. They were always very comfortable, I have to say. They're very stretchy. They're very stretchy. <laughs> very stretchy. You were in a band, Scott. Yeah. I mean, I still play with Courtney Love. We just don't play too often. but That's, um, uh, that's awesome. What band were you in in the 80s? Black Cherry. Uh, a band called Black Cherry. It's funny because my band was part of the whole, my singer was in L.A. Gun. So I was, you know, we used to audition people and we would call each other and be like, hey, not like how good a guitar player are you, but what do you look like? And it was always like, do you look like Tommy Lee? All right. I don't really care if you can play guitar. Yeah. You're in the band. And that was sort of the basis of us auditioning people. So I'm guessing when you guys first met, there's a little bit of that. You look cool. You look cool. We just need to be in a band together. That's why I'm still here. Exactly. I still don't hear much of what Lexi's playing on stage. I just look at him. He's not plugged in. 
Yeah. Of course he's not. I don't know. He might not be. He just looks fantastic. Hey, hey, Scott, you're talking about the look, right? It's so important, right? I just, I just have to point this out. Satchel, your hot oil treatment on your hair looks amazing, bro. Thank you. It, it is. Look great. Yes. It looks incredible. I didn't you know, realize it, was, it was getting a little frizzy before. And then, you know, I, you know, I just, well, I permed it and I think I damaged the ends, but I had to let it grow out. And then I cut the ends off and then I hot oiled. This is, these are things that. That's what you're supposed to do. Block 101. You learn it when, especially, you guys remember the, the uh, place we used to all get our haircut in LA called Long Hair Rocks? Yep. Yeah. I think that was in BAM or like Rock City. <laughs> like it was yesterday. Long hair. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing, guys. I mean, there's probably people watching this going, what the fuck is that? It's not made up. It's a real place where you, we, everybody would go. And you, I think you got, believe it or not, you got a discount if you were in a band, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're is it still open? <laughs> How would you prove if you're in a band, though? That was the one thing I had to keep doing. You well, had you, had to, like, you had to bring your Rock City News ad with you. Yeah, probably yeah. Right. you had to bring yeah. a flyer. See? And you had to bring your music connection and show your picture in there, your demo, your demo <laughs> review. You get, you get a cut. So it's so funny. So most of these bands, like you were saying, they love you. They want to take photos with you. Are there any current beefs, though? I know there was a Chris Jericho beef, maybe a Motley Crue beef. Any beef still going on with you guys? They all just want to be like you. So uh, Fall well, Out Boy. Fall Out Boy. And I, we kind of had one. We had a beef with Fall Out Boy. We had a beef with Motley Crue. Um, Motley Crue is always going to hate us. They think, I mean, they, they, we're just always going to butt heads with those guys. I don't know why, because it seems like we should be partying with those guys all the fucking time. We so. love them. They just haven't really, like, embraced the fact that we are the future of heavy metal, you know? <laughs> Strange fact, I introduced <laughs> Nikki Sixx to his wife, so that's a pretty cool fact. Yeah, dude, it's really hard for Motley Crue to accept we are the future of heavy metal. I get it, you know? But you know what? We're like cockroaches, Scott. Yeah. Don't die. People think, oh, this is it. It's a one-trick pony. They're going to be gone next week. Oh, my God. Seal pad. And we're still here. We're yeah. recording our sixth record right now. It's crazy. How many more songs can you write about sex and drugs? A lot. A lot. There's a ton of them. <laughs> yeah. So fast forward to 2020. You guys put out five or six records here. And Fuck 2020 was one of the last songs you guys released. I mean, how has it been this year for you? I mean, obviously, are you guys all vaccinated now? How are you spending most of your days? You can't tour. It's got to be hard being rock gods when you can't tour. Well, I'd like to really promote something else, too. We did uh, Fuck 2020, which is a, a remake lyrically of our song, Fuck Everybody. But, you know, just recently we put out two Van Halen covers, too, as well, accompanied by videos, too. You can get them, on, look at them on Spotify or look at them on YouTube and listen to them on Spotify. But uh, anyways, that, that's all I want to say. Yeah, by the way, the great DOA, Beautiful Girls, amazing covers. Yes. And there's such history there with Van Halen, right? So what do you think about what's going on now? I mean, obviously, we should pay respect to Eddie Van Halen. That was a big yeah. loss. I mean, what did he mean to you guys? I'm sure he was so impactful for all your careers, right? He, he, I think, for you know, speaking for myself, uh, when I heard Van Halen won for the first time, I bought it at a, a garage sale for 75 cents. And I just, I bought it because... Uh, I think I had heard Running with the Devil and the cover was super bitching. And I, I remember buying it, putting it on and hearing the tones for the first time uh, on a record player. And just, it, cha- it just, the light switch went on. So for me, it was one of those bands uh, that just made me want to f- just rock. So, uh, it was just as simple as that. Yeah, when you guys were recording DOA and uh, Beautiful Girls, are you in the same room or is it all done over Zoom like this? We did that all at, at, at our own houses. Um, you know, like we would lay, I, I would track the drums here and then I'd send it to Satchel. He'd do the guitar, Lexi do the bass, uh, or we call Joe Lester, you know, <laughs> yeah. if, if Lexi was, you know, if Lexi was on vacation in the Alps. Yeah, are I you mean, working on new music like this, like over Zoom? Yeah, we're doing, uh, actually, we're recording a new record right now. I'm very, very excited about it. And we're doing this one differently than we've ever done a record. Usually, uh, for every other record, we we get together, uh, we go into pre-production, we work it out. You know, Satchel will come in with the songs, then we'll get together physically, work them out, go record them. And we're all at the studio, you know? And because of the way that things are now, it's forced us to sort of look at things through a different lens 
and we've decided to try it this way. And it's it's uh it's what pretty, is this way? This way is, <laughs> you know, I track the like we did the DOA uh, and Beautiful Girls. I'm tracking drums here. I'm sending it to the guys. Uh, then there's guitars laid over, and then there's vocals that are going to be recorded. So it's very separate. And then we'll have somebody mix it, and that will be the record. I, I'm. It's basically very similar to the way we've been doing records, except just a different order. You know, so I mean, there's always going to be. I think every time you you do a record, you know, there's so much that has to be put into writing a song and making a song good, and 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 listening to a song from start to finish and having it uh, like be, you know, exciting and not bore you and all, all of the stuff that goes into that is before you ever start to record. And then re recording, you know, these days it, we're, we're all very lucky because you can get really great sounds in your home studio. The only thing that we're probably going to go and need to go into a really good studio for is is the drums because that just you know that involves like the room and yeah and other things and, and um but you don't necessarily have to do the drums first you know you know sticks has got a drum set right behind him i see yeah thing, the roland yeah that thing sounds really good so yeah. if you're playing to a click you could and if you work out the parts that you want for a record you could replace it with real drums later on in the process and that's just all we're doing we're we're, we're doing the guitars and the bass and the and the vocals first and then we'll probably end up going in somewhere uh, and doing the drums afterwards and then mixing at the very end. Mixing is always the last part of the process anyway. So um, just a little bit different order this time, just because, you know, like a lot of bands, most of our money comes from touring. So it, we don't have the money to go throw thousands of dollars to a recording studio right now. Right. Yeah, but is it we... as rock and roll if you're not in the same room? I guess that's the yeah, $4,000 question. The, yeah, we the... want to be together. Yeah. Well, it's, it's always optimum to be able to jam, um, but I think the the proof will be in the pudding. And when you in listen the to the uh, to the end result, I think you will be like, "Yeah, it is rock and roll." Like, because that's that's what that the goal is to make you as a listener at the end product to be like, "Dude, that just killed me." It was awesome. yeah. I mean, I think the vast majority of records, even even records in, in the eighties, I mean. It's not like all those bands were playing live in the studio. There's there's overdubs. There's tr separate tracks going down, but some you know I mean like Van Halen, Van Halen one was probably a lot of it was live actually like like mm. the ba the basic tracks like bass and guitar bass drums and guitar, um, but you know they they did overdubs too with vocals and things like that. I don't think that there's uh, you know that's been going on since the fifties yeah. and that's part of the recording process. There's going to be overdubs just because you overdub doesn't mean you're not real or the or the vibe can't happen you know uh, but uh but there's there's different ways to do it there's more than one way to skin a cat as they say yeah. and ultimately it comes down to i think it comes down to do you have a good song or not yeah you know you think in 2021 as a steel panther exclusive of this record or 2022 well i i don't know i mean I, that's an interesting question to me i don't think you know this these days like as a band like you know, of course, everybody's thinking about putting out content just to keep people's eyes on them. But but we we are a live band. We've always been a live band first. Um, I don't think that I've never felt like there, there should be a rush to do a, do a record because really, like you shouldn't put a record out unless you have a good record. Right. right? So true. and that's the thing. I think that's the biggest mistake. I think that's a mistake most fans make. Like we need to put this record out and then they put something out that's Crap. not great yeah you know and, and um i would rather put together a record that we all feel strongly about and then put it out rather than go okay here's the release date september 2021 let's start writing some songs like then you get to you know august and you go we need more songs and you everybody's like scrambling but that's that's the wrong way to do it you, sh you should write a record and then come up with a bunch of songs that you really feel strongly about and then and then set into the process of recording them and and make it make a great record that way and then when it comes out when it comes out you know for us like our fans are always going to want to hear more more steel panther and i think the main thing is that we just put stuff out that we that like that we dig yeah. and that hopefully most of our fans will dig as well but if everybody in the band digs it then that's a good 
a good sign that that our, a lot of our fans will as well. There's always going to be haters that go, you guys should have stopped four records ago. <laughs> Before you had a record. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Speaking so. of gigs, I mean, I see some dates on your site. So are these dates going to happen now? Because they're actually coming up in like a week. Yeah, we're going, uh, we're playing in Arizona next week. Um, and then we're going to go and we're going to go play a couple private parties. And then we're going to go on an 11 day actual tour uh, where we're going to be in a big boy bus and all we're going to, you know, we're going to do it as close to normal as possible. It's all systems go. Everything's ready to roll. All the, everything's reserved flights. And is it 25% capacity in these cities? Is it 50%? Some of them are 100. Really? Where would that be? Some, uh, I can't remember, uh, which one I, it might be, uh, South Carolina. I don't, I don't, don't, I don't know for sure, but um, I, know that, I, yeah, I know that one, I know one or two of them are a hundred, but, but the other ones are reduced um, and, or we're doing two shows. Like we'll do an hour and then, you know, they'll turn the room over. They'll bring at the, an hour at 50% and then another hour at 50%. That's how they get their max capacity. Uh, but it's all it's each show is a like a little bit different in the format. And that's just part of what we got to deal with. And plus, the, the tour bus is going to be wrapped in saran wrap to protect us from any stray. This time, though, they have right. to not include the wheels in that because Safety last first. time it didn't Safety go anywhere. First. There'll be a lot of hand sanitizer on that bus for sure. So I see the dates. It's like uh, Virginia, Arizona, Kentucky. I guess maybe some of those Alabama, maybe some of those places are 100 percent. But yeah. how are you feeling about playing gigs right now with everything? Absolutely just fired up to do it. Awesome. Can't wait. We, yeah. I have no, no fear about catching a virus or anything like that i just want to go rock see some hot chicks see some boobies or tits but I, i'm really you know i'm excited to go jam with my buddies man i i mean we have not got to be together and do shows together in two it's been too long so during the lockdown did you guys actually see each other or not really was it really everyone at their own yeah house? we got together for some for some live streams and we we got together to film some content uh We've seen each other just not near the frequency that we're, we're used to because normally we go out, we go tour, we come home and we go se separate, but then we come back, you know, within two weeks of seeing each other. So it's been highly irregular during this lockdown. Uh, so I, you know, we're, we're just, we're thrilled to go. to go. Yeah, yeah we start to see man. each other and rock out. Yeah, that's awesome. By the way, I want to, I want to bring some attention to something you guys are doing. You're doing this virtual photo exhibition online to help concert photographers, which I think is great. So maybe talk about that for a moment, just so everyone can know what you guys are up to with that. You want me to go for it? Yeah, go for it, dude. All yeah, right. So, so I was talking uh, with a guy that works with us, uh, Jason Leckberg, and we were talking about photographers and, and, you know, what are they doing during the pandemic? And uh, I was, we were speaking to, uh, I was speaking to David Jackson, the guy that does a lot of our album covers and, we just kind of came up with the idea, let's let's showcase the photographers because without, you know, a photo, it doesn't happen without the subject or the photographer, right? Or the camera, two sticks. Well, you, you need a camera, yes, Lexi. <laughs> yeah. So with those two things, you know, we, we, we do what we do for, for promotion for our own band, but the photographers never get any attention. And uh, so we put this thing together where we were, we showcased and did a virtual gallery for like six of our, you know, favorite photographers. A couple of the photographers in this group are people that have been shooting pictures of us since the beginning and they're amateur photographers, but we wanted to include them to share those pictures with our fans. And it's, it's, a, it's a live chat, it's a, it's a virtual gallery and it just, it just exposes some, some pictures, some people to these photographers and their work and because without photographers, there's no photos of us. And Definitely. There's a few of them coming up, right? You have a couple of dates on the books for those too? Yeah, I don't know the dates offhand, but uh, I think- On our website, it's uh, www. Is it three W's? Yeah. It's two W's. Dot two W's. rocks.com. Awesome. And it has all our tour, tour dates on it. It's got uh, a merch store. You can get t-shirts there, all kinds. Why are you of talking with an accent? Oh, sorry. And we also have Steel Panther bucks. You can get those too. <laughs> Just like Lynch bucks. Yeah. Same. Are there any artists that you guys want to collaborate with that you haven't yet? Axl Rose, dude. 
All right. We're, we're putting wanna, the word out to Atsel. I want to collaborate with Dead Mouse. What? And I want to collaborate with Post Malone because I heard he loves heavy metal. Oh, he does actually. He's actually flying the flag for rock and roll. So I do give him credit. However, he's sneaking it in there is okay by me because kids yeah. don't love rock and roll anymore, except for you guys. So I appreciate you guys have been flying the flag for many years. This has been great. This is definitely like my say by the bell reunion on zoom and we got to get together in person and do this in person next time and it'll be a lot more fun we'll like talk like old school stuff we can hug each other and stuff and we can i'm actually yeah. half vaccinated so it's all good you know cool let's do it <laughs> all let's right well i'm excited it. to uh, see you guys in person definitely check out the live shows check out the website this is awesome guys looking forward to hanging out in person and let's not wait like 20 years before we do this again Thank you, Scott. Awesome, Scott. Thanks for having us. Great, great to see you, Scott. You too. I'll see you guys soon. Be cool. Bye. You're listening to Lips LA with Scott Lips. Well, that was fun. Those guys are amazing. 20 years plus I've known them. So they're actually still holding the flag for rock and roll. You got to love it. They're having a great time. They're out there. They're actually starting to gig soon, which gives me a lot of optimism about where we're headed. And hopefully, like I said, summer, fall, hopefully it'll be somewhat back to normal concerts are coming back slowly but surely those guys always have a great time and they are one of the only bands having a great time in rock and rolling these days so much respect great time with my brothers and still panther and uh, thanks for tuning in if you like the show as i mentioned please rate and review the show five stars the show is free it's available everywhere coming to you mostly every tuesday and uh, we'll see you next week with uh, the authors of nothing but a good time Missed Riffs, a podcast about bands that dreamt of becoming Beyonce but ended up working out of Bed Bath and Beyonce instead. In this season of Missed Riffs, you'll hear the story of McElbarrel, the wokest white rapper ever. Cancel Good Night Moon. The bro country band Two Scars. And SoundCloud rapper Sushi Roll FaceTap. No regrets. Missed Riffs, stories of bands that reached for the golden ring but ended up getting ringworm instead. Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find the ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.